0: Welcome to Reflections from the Red Room. I'm your host, Mitch Proctor. And with me today again is Guillermo Matarena. And we are about to do a little bit of uh, chatty chat on Twin Peaks The Return. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, when last we left you, we had done episodes one, two, three, and four, five, six, and seven. And since then, episode eight has come into our lives. Oh my gods.
1: Gods, even. My friend Ricky Washuck. Hey, Ricky Washuck. Hey, Ricky. Ricky. Um, DJ Ricky. Yes, DJ mm-hmm. Ricky. Yep. Um, you may. What is his DJ name? Oh gosh. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. I put you see? on the spot. I should totally. I should totally know this. But they've changed it. I Have mean, they? I'm DJ Floganoff. That never changes. So there it is. So I don't know. I, he... I heard
0: your DJ name is DJ. Then whatever your greatest fear is.
1: Really? Yeah. So I'm DJ Mainstream. I'm DJ facial disfigurement because <laughs> <laughs> um, without my modeling career. It's dysmorphia? Just my, my mind. Okay. Yeah. Is that what it is? Dysmorphia? Is that the technical word?
0: Oh, I have not. Oh. Uh, there's body dysmorphic disorder and I just threw in the dysmorphia yeah, without the body. So facial dysmorphia? Mental whatnot. Yeah. But that's your greatest fear. Oh, like you're actually afraid of like being physically disfigured like in an accident.
1: Yeah, or uh, or a, a terrorist torture, I guess. Torture, yeah, okay. Sure, why not? Shrapnel that happens. Okay. Strap-
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. So what we we don't know Ricky's DJ name.
1: No, not offhand. I wish I did, but no, I can't. But he spins a great set. Him and Cecilia uh, pick a lot of classic whatnots um i think she's dj dark kitty or something like that anyway um yeah <laughs> so. they dj
0: here in town in the the dirty tea down at uh, the wench any place else
1: um at the red room the red room what am i saying i was gonna Whoa. say what <laughs> where are they hiding in this multi-dimensional no room they um they're at the um the r bar which is all red which is why i made the mental have you been to the r bar
0: the r bar as in like double r even check it out no
1: uh, i haven't where is this where's the r bar Oh, you should do we should do a remote there hey i you will do, do it do a remote there. right now um Let's go. it is uh, <laughs> we already got booze guys <laughs> um the yeah it's in that alley just to the east of the rialto theater and then uh oh no i have been there yeah. i love that
0: place yeah it's we really just, sexy yeah we were just there a couple, uh, month or two ago to, to, to go see
1: Kevin um, Smith and I went into the bar
0: bar and I said, this is my new place. yeah
1: yeah yes it's sexy and I like the tables upstairs that are kind of hidden but still allow you to like voyeur everybody yeah and uh, yeah it's got a good vibe and the, the cocktails are really good and they're not they're not like crazy 47 Scott price but mm-hmm. they're um, which are good, mind you you know but you know what you're paying for. Um, but yeah, there's some good mixology going on there.
0: Reasonable and fresh. And the bathrooms are kind of see-through, which was kind of sexy in a not very sexy way at all.
1: Well, I think that sort of prevents your, uh, bathroom encounters and your over camping for drug use. (laughs) Oh, I see. That's a, it's a passive aggressive design element. Oh, I don't know. I just think it's smart business. Well, that too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that way you don't get walked in on. In case yeah. you're too drunk to actually slide. Belt. not that that's happened to me. I'm just saying. People you a, know. No, as a, as a, for a long time, I wanted to own a nightclub. So I was that, I, I'd given a lot of thought to these things.
0: I think we could run a cool nightclub.
1: Dude, licensing, capital. But if right. any of you out there are just like, want, you know, us to manage a nightclub and want to bankroll our nightclub, we'll totally do it. Club Golgotha, it's oh, coming. Boy. <laughs> there you go. All
0: right, so we were at Ricky and DJing. How did Ricky come into the the red room? Oh, because you said you mentioned them and He Kumar? said
1: today. Okay. He says to me at Ricky go I was like, Hey, you watch the because I think they're having him on here. Cause Ricky's awesome. He's got an art school background. Um, he just reads all sorts of uh strange stuff like I do. And so I was, you know, hoping he'd bring that to the table. He was like you know what? I've only watched episode eight. And I was like, are you kidding? (laughs) And he's like, it was amazing. It's the best thing I've ever seen Lynch do. This is what he says. Wow. And I was just like, but you didn't have to wait through the sort of the, the slogging and sort of rooting for Dougie to get from, you know, the other world to here and to kind of like,
0: you didn't earn episode eight is what you're telling him. Kind of, of. in,
1: in a way, yeah, in a way. Yeah um so i was just like man because by the time when eight rolls around and it fucking mushroom clouds in your face <laughs> it's so rewarding yeah it's so amazing and you get so much information from episode eight that um you just, you just feel so gratified <clears throat> by the whole thing i mean i remember you telling telling you that my wife was so upset around like episode six that she felt like she was being strung along, that she felt like she was gonna get cheated and robbed by by the whole affair. Um, you know, and then when eight rolled around, it was just like, oh, I'm so glad I stayed in. <laughs> I feel so rewarded. And that was amazing and mind blowing and perspective expanding um that Lynch did with it. It was yeah. Oh man. I mean, it's ball's so good.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've, I've rewatched it a few times at this point now. And my sister came over, who I've, I've been inundating with Twin Peaks for the last 25 years as well. I introduced <laughs> her. And for the longest time, we used to have talks and theories and discuss. And she said, and this, I was finally kind of a little disappointed in her. If she ever listens to this, sorry, Becca, but I told you in your face, too, at the same time. Like, hey, what? She said, you know, we're always trying to figure out what everything means. What if nothing means anything? And I said, you're just missing the point, even if there are certain instances where it's not a direct meaning. There's no direct correlation between the visuals and like any kind of like deeper meaning or story or plot. Letting yourself, letting it wash over you like it is an,
1: an incredible experience. It was it was great. I just I think this, I don't have anything else to say about that. I think this is why you and I aren't taking notes in order to do these, uh-huh. because I think like if we were sitting there with a quarter of our brain turned on to critical notation t- turned yeah. on to kind of like, you know, oh, I need to jot that down, um, then we're cheating ourselves. I, I mean, agree. I remember reviewing movies in college for money for the Arizona Daily Wildcat, and just like I, I remember just sitting there during some of the shows and being like, I wish I wasn't taking notes. I wish I was just watching and then I, I could watch a screen or copy later on fast forward and kind of actually put down these thoughts you know because i, I felt sometimes that the the multitasking the mental multitasking the division of, of of um deconstruction and of evaluation was um inhibiting my pleasure from what i was watching sure so and your point about um Everything doesn't have to mean everything or doesn't have to make sense. That doesn't doesn't need to to be
0: a a stronger meaning or like this represents this.
1: I think viewers are so used to being given all the answers at the end of a half an hour and having wrapped up and tied up in a neat little bow that um, Twin Peaks sometimes is off putting for the more real world unconvention that there are loose ends and that's how life is.
0: <laughs> so you're saying there is meaning there's, there, there are loose ends yes. in life and there are loose ends in Twin Peaks.
1: And there's things that don't make sense. Maybe. Yeah. In both. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think
0: anyone here is going to argue that. Um, so it, it, it we saw episode eight and it's, it, I've, I don't think it's any coincidence that after we didn't, the first four, then we did three. We did up to episode seven. Then episode eight happened, and we haven't done another sit down specifically about about the peaks since episode eight. I think after that, I mean, what, what what more was there to really say except, let's just watch and see where it goes. And there have been other people out there doing like episode by episode, like dissecting, but I'm I've really enjoyed just absorbing. So that's kind of where we are now. We're, what are we up to episode episode fourteen, mm-hmm. and we've got four more to go. Yeah. Lots to reflect on. <laughs> lots to reflect on. Um I, I I think that uh of course in the last couple episodes a big point of of discussion and concern would be Audrey and her return or not return. I think uh Andy being like more of a player than we thought, being chosen by the fireman to to see all that, to have all this relevatory information presented to him. Um Let's see what else any other like points that you want to hit over the next forty five minutes or so?
1: Laura's mom and the face removal, and what does that imply? Yes, um just to go forward to that, I think that um spending time around um Leland uh-huh. uh, with the Bob influence over however many years not only had to have affected Laura, but it had to have affected her, sure, and I feel that perhaps what was last revealed in the last episode with the face removal and the, you don't want to fuck with me. And like, you know, the biting of the neck and all of that um, implies that I think long-term exposure to otherworld Bob, Doug, Paz, dark figures, um, demiurges or whatever it is you want to call them. Um, affects people. So I think perhaps not only was kind of a, a sort of corruption changed um wrought on Laura or at least magnetized by Laura being the one um, also affected the mother. Hmm. Do you,
0: do you feel like there hasn't been enough? um you know, you know what? Let me scratch that because it's not about whether there's enough, but we have your doppelgangers uh-huh. and we have like possession of by the entities like by Bob and things. And you're saying that there's then like essentially like a third state or perhaps like a mortal has just been tainted by being around this for such long periods of time. And you think that's the case of, of uh Sarah?
1: Yeah, I mean so far we haven't been given anything else. So kind of looking back at original series and looking back at return and you think about, well, why didn't we get hint of this? Why haven't we known about anything going on with with her it was kind of like here drink your sleepy milk and you know and you know other than that like and and the visions and the visions so because she was always in a highly nervous state which partly like if you meet people who are actually sensitive there's another level of energy going on with them and that's why they're called sensitive So um, I kind of read it off to that, like her seeing the horse and and other things along those lines.
0: Sorry, go on. I didn't want to interject, but at the same time I did. Because seeing the horse and Dale saw the horse and he who sees the white horse is doomed or is lost. I can't remember what the line, the quote or line is, but Dale has seen it. Dale is a strong sender. Uh, You know, um, does this mean both characters are
1: destined for uh un- unhappy ends well let's talk about what doomed actually means um that's not necessarily i mean one of the one of the things and it's not necessarily death sure. i mean for, for dale it's kind of an, an otherworldly death in a way i mean you know he gets stuck in the, the room for 20 odd years and so yeah that's bad that could be a manifestation of the horse um same thing with Laura's mom, like uh, you know losing the husband losing the daughter losing the niece like this is all bad so what is she doing now she's sitting watching a looping clip of boxing and drinking a lot of vodka this is not a happy ending no already not a happy ending (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah there's there's that going on and albeit you know perhaps there's some sort of taint and psychic uh access of the dark powers to her Unless you felt that was a a, a well placed, good self defense mechanism. <laughs> <Neckiness. laughs> Which part? Like the gnashing out of the guy's throat? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, okay, like, could've... nope. You're bugging me. Sorry. You're dead.
0: Okay. Yeah. And what about the possibility of she, uh, like, removing her face? It being darkness and Laura's smile. Maybe. Maybe that being doppelganger Laura's smile. And when Laura removed her face in the lodge or the wait- waiting room. If we're to be more accurate, there was a bright light when Laura removed her face. What What are those things uh, signifying? What are we what are we coming to expect from that? Is Laura going to help? Is Laura coming back to help? She's the one. Is she going to help dig us out of this, this bad situation? Is she going to help Dougie realize that he's Coop? Is she going to come back and maybe perhaps save or redeem her mother who is now impossibly being influenced in this negative way by the bad denizens of the lodge or the mother of all evil that's vomiting forth baby bob seeds into the world whatever that (laughs) business is you know bug eggs bug eggs (laughs) you know um what's that
1: i don't think we have any straight answers i know and
0: you know when we do theorize it's like why are we even asking because it's not a good there's not a straight answer well
1: there's also the chef kid You know who did the face removal thing too, so there's there's that. He whips off the mask and you see stuff.
0: It was a monkey, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, some crazy stuff there. Sure.
1: So, um, because monkeys are always bad. Um. Anyway, the (laughs) (laughs) green is its color. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah. So we don't necessarily know, but obviously. There's a pattern and there's a trope going on, you know, whether it's always bad or always good. We don't necessarily know.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, what else could we cover that is happening? Cause I think that we're skipping episodes nine, 10, 11, 12. Well, you, like,
1: there are two other points. My other before. points being Audrey, right? Uh,
0: particularly like, um, and I, and I know that there's some talk that even we've discussed like, well, is she in a coma possibly? Why is she so removed? From the events that we've seen so far, uh, is she indeed the the mother of Richard? And if she is, who's the father? Is it really possibly uh, Jack who flew away at the end, but they finally got their business on in the plane? Uh, could it possibly be the seat of Bob? This I didn't catch until subsequent viewings. When uh, New Sheriff Truman is talking to uh, Doc Hayward, he talks about seeing Coop come to visit Audrey in the hospital or visit Annie. I can't, you know, at that point, this is, you know, Bob Coop.
1: Right. It's Erzatz. Yeah. Coop. Um, wow. I Did he
0: impregnate Audrey while in a coma with Evil Seed? Because look at how, like, look at that
1: guy. Come on. Like, well, that's just, what. what's the deal? Gosh. Um, It's a good theory. Um, I didn't really catch that with the Doc Hayward bit, but that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling, as we've discussed, that Audrey is trapped in some sort of other place. All this talk about, like, I'm me, but I'm not me, and I can't trust that, and I can't trust myself. Like, she's having these sort of basic doubts about being and consciousness. Um and the fact that think about it, would Audrey ever marry this little accountant man? Well, I mean she's Audrey, got a
0: contract, there's some contract.
1: The Audrey we know, but I'm saying like in the real world, yeah in the waking world, in the conscious world. And I don't think she would um I think that there's some sort of otherworldly or allegorical thing going on um, and her weird comment about like, this is just like ghostwood. I It's like, Oh, that's interesting. What does Did that she even say mean? That?
0: I didn't even hear that. I missed that entirely.
1: Yeah. She says it. So yeah. And then the affair with Billy, whoever Billy is, whoever Billy is, Billy and Tina. We don't know. So yeah, I don't know. And if this is part of lost highway, Lynch verse, as Lynch has said, I mean, do the two Cheryl and Fenn characters have some sort of connection to each other?
0: You just blew my mind.
1: Boom! So Boom! Like, uh, Did you, <laughs> do you
0: see the blood trickling out my ear right now? <laughs> like, what?
1: So it makes me want to rewatch Lost Highway and tr- try and like see if there's some threads there. Maybe we could pick up a few things by rewatching that. We may, yeah.
0: Instead of just firewalking. Well, I, I didn't even think about the second Audrey. Mm-hmm. That didn't even cross my mind. And does everyone have a doppelganger in in the lodge or the dweller on the threshold? I mean, that's that's the hawk story. The Native American lore is that everyone has a doppelganger. Everyone has to encounter the dweller on the fresh threshold before proceeding to their ultimate reward. So,
1: but wait, where's Andy's doppelganger, Mister, <laughs> going straight to the White Lodge?
0: Mm, I don't know. I don't
1: know. And that was your other thing you were asking about. It's like
0: Andy's suddenly becoming like a player.
1: Right, right. I, You know, I just want to say that it, I think he's just standing at the wrong place at the right time. I think it could have been any of the four of them. I don't think his
0: innocence and his, his, his purity, because, I mean, kind of, you know, that's kind of the character, might play into that a little bit. Like he was chosen by the fireman because he's kind of incorruptible.
1: That could very well be, because it seems... It seems it's, easy. It seems like the the... The uh, stocky lady and the fireman, mm-hmm. who we formerly knew as the giant. Yeah. Um, which is a nice revelation, too. Yeah. Um, that they, they seem to have a, a kind of innocent nobility um, going on in their actions. I mean, their reaction to the Bob being cast in the world into the sphere was let's create this being of pure light let's create the laura the one that is going to be the the counter magnet force for bob um Uh and you know it doesn't seem to be a particularly like aggressive move but it seems to be kind of like a um a a, a kind of uh not innocent but um gosh the words evading me right now so she's she has
0: been created in response to Bob.
1: I believe so. Laura,
0: which makes sense with her mother now, obviously something's going on there. And we have Leland who is possessed by, when, how old do you feel Leland is? When was Leland born? Like how far back is he, he? Bob possessed him at a young age, but I feel Bob was already in this realm or at least brought into existence or vomited forth by the evil.
1: How old is Leland? Well, let's kind of do some math, I guess, or at least some guesstimates. Um, Well, let's suppose he's at least in his late 50s. Yeah. And that's in what? 1992. So, you know, subtract from there. and That
0: places him right around the time.
1: Right. So, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. So, I mean, I would assume that, like, I was always kind of in the assumption that it must have happened during his tween teen years that, you know, you've got this kind of emotional cauldron going on. You're in the forest. You're vulnerable.
0: I like that a lot. I like what you're saying there a lot, because previous to you just now saying that, I had always imagined him being younger. I was I was imagining more seven or eight like a child because he says Bob tells him hey do you want to play with fire little boy uh-huh. do you want to play with Bob and when I think of a little boy I think of someone more in that age rather than like a teen but I like the idea of the uh, adolescent chaos and like upheaval providing a perfect opening in order for Bob to latch onto, you know like to grab hold of
1: right I mean at a certain point in adolescence we all sort of like suddenly realize the adults don't have all the answers what, what they does, don't what <laughs> you're <laughs> just bleeding again audience says,
0: says the 40 year old all right so
1: um you know and then you're kind of like wow well what does what are the what are the adversaries just society have to say since society obviously doesn't have all the answers and then it's based upon these very tenuous tenants you know and so uh, to me that always kind of made sense that Lila would suddenly go like well what is on the dark side and mm-hmm. you know what does what does that have to offer me and Um, You know, and then suddenly, like, Bob being there and suddenly becoming part of him and then going forward from there. Let
0: me provide you with some type of solace or answers, little boy. (laughs) Whatever.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, later on realizing that, oh, I've made a a tragic mistake, yet that's it. I'm compromised. So I'm going to go forward from there.
0: Okay. So do you feel that there will be any type of cliched confrontation at this point they're chasing um, they're chasing Dougie and his wife in connection with the murders um, is there gonna be a, no I'm the good Dale no I'm the good Dale no I'm the good Dale like it, type of
1: I don't think so and I think I think that um, Coopers. the Lynch character um, he'll know T well I think a he'll know B he'll, um, I think he put out the APB with all red lights on and all flags up in order just to make it happen. I don't think he sincerely believes that. That's a relief. I like that. Okay, of course. Yeah, no. make
0: it actually happen, get some
1: Because he knows the other Dale's wrong. And if he were the real Dale and not Erzat's Dale, he'd have stuck around in the prison just to kind of wait. And he would have asked for more dialogues, too, in order to kind of, like, you know have some communication in order to to kind of straighten things out but no instead he sat there and sort of expected to be released just on the basis of his appearance Mm -hmm. and the basis of the surprise that he had turned up and that everyone would be relieved that he had turned up after decades but the story obviously did not add up yeah and then what Diane had to say of course and the Diane Janie connection (laughs) (laughs) that was the best yes I was like oh (laughs) <laughs> sisters in I law. think
0: directly following that, you were asking me whether I thought that was too convenient. Or, was, or were we discussing that? Um, the Their relationship. I think you were immediately theorizing on, um, or maybe it was Justin, on Dougie being placed there so that sat Stale would have an ease of finding him because he knew where he'd be. There's the Diane connection. So when forced out of the lodge, when it, it, that uh, that would be, he wouldn't have to chase down his he wouldn't have to chase down Dougie the golem or whatever he, whatever Dougie was the the construct of Dougie mm-hmm. is that the tie there? Do you feel that it was a, it was a direct placement with Diane's half sister because he's already quote in the family he's in line
1: to be able to track him down easily. Well, I mean, my going theory before this last episode was that Dale was going to enter uh, the Norma's double R in Las Vegas. I liked that. Eat theory. a piece of pie. <laughs> and suddenly he was going to be like, oh, I'm Dale Cooper. And, you know, and and like that would be like the, the snapback. And yeah. then suddenly we'd have action action from there. Um, I think the fact that that uh, Dougie's the Tulpa that he is the mental construct um, that is now occupied by real Trudell. Um, I think that that's not necessarily a coincidence so much. It is a a synchronicity mm-hmm. in the Lynch verse um, that that's meant to be meant to happen, and I, I just I kind of I kind of accept it. Um, I. think... Think if you look closely at it, it's easy to sort of say, ah, that's a convenience of writing. That's writerly. Um, but I don't think so. There's obviously forces at work that are meant to align, like the planets in the opening of the lodge, like the kid with the hand. He is right. He's going to be a device. He's his whole purpose is to do something with that hand, by the strings of the White Lodge, just as Laura was meant to do something by the strings of the White Lodge. So I don't think there's just so much writerly devices as they are um, divine or semi-divine or supernatural, things that have been put into motion in the universe to check what is going on with the Black Lodge. And again, we could be wrong. It could all end super tragically.
0: Oh, I feel it's still going to end super tragically. <laughs> I also feel like it will end somewhat cliffhangery. But the way you describe it right now is kind of how I felt about it initially during the first couple seasons and how I felt about it when this started. But the more we go along, the less I'm feeling that that there are distinctive sides in this there's the white and black lodge and aside from um wyndham earl really haven't been mentioned again have they been discussed or mentioned by name
1: in this season at all i think wyndham earl was mentioned once
0: but i mean the lodges there's been no real discussion i i almost feel like these entities or these these beings are in conflict without having black and white sides, even though we have the black and white lodge. I want to subscribe to a, a theory or a philosophy where you have have the good and the bad and that there's some type of ultimate triumph over evil. But I, I, I almost feel like it, it is, again, something because we, we keep coming back to and again, reflections from the Red Room. We're talking about duality. We're talking about these same sides, different sides of the same coin kind of thing. I don't know that there's like a, a concerted effort to thwart any plots or plans by the Black Lodge, by the White Lodge. I think it's just an outcome of like, mm, this this can't be unbalanced. I keep coming back to this idea of balance and I, I feel like it's not necessarily the way it is, but I just, I, th- I feel that
1: way. I think going back to my point about the world not wrapping up in a nice little bow at the end of half an hour, I think that. Since Christian conversion, we've been trapped in the idea of the black and white, the God and the devil, the good and the bad. But we got to remember is that before that, there was a distinct complexity, a necessity of various forces happening in the universe, and that that was okay. and we've lost that ideal in the, in the dogma, or at least we've lost that sensible observation about the universe um, since the conversion. Um, so if we rewind it and we talk about the Lodges um, being in, I think it's too simplistic a view. I think that, that an essential part of the universe is that there is always going to be sorrow and pain and suffering not that that's like yay that's great but it um it sort of allows us to realize that the drunkenness and the sex and the pleasure and the love um do have value and that it, and that there's also other forces involved uh, you know ennui and acceptance and rejection and these other kind of things that are more in the the neutral zone of um the spectrum um, or the, the sphere of existence. Spheres come up a lot here. Yeah, they do. There's
0: a perfect circle, golden circle.
1: <laughs> so, um, I think that, that Lynch is, is not so simple, um, uh, because there are loose ends and because things are open ended and because not all the questions are answered. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's I think is, is part of it. So I mean will will the Black Lodge ultimately be defeated and crushed and stamped out it's not no, like that. Probably not, no. because it's it's part of uh a universal force. And um same thing with the White Lodge. You know, will will it all will it transcend, will it conquer all? Will it um ultimately grant enlightenment and happiness to everybody? No, it won't. So Um, yeah, that's, that's what I think's going on as far as the big picture goes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And in the little picture, we're going to enjoy Norma's double R in between the chaos and the
1: Shelly the waitress.
0: We're going to enjoy Shelly the waitress.
1: Yes. The paragon of all twin peaks beauty.
0: Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) It it shocks me about that. It's still, I still am a little surprised.
1: Matching a mick. We love you. Well, I well, yeah, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> so let's talk about. I, okay, let's talk about the girls in the booth. Oh, the scene.
0: Talk about them. That's what upset me last episode. I know you don't. But away. but
1: Mitch, I thought about it, and okay. me and me and Michelle, my wife, my lovely wife. If you're out there, love you. Um, <laughs> that we talked about it, and we talked about how all the pairs of women um are flawed or self-deceived or um are working from uncertain and wrong ideas uh in all of their conversations
0: okay i'm
1: with you so it's not just like a critique of women it's um kind of a comment on humanity and upon um, the situations that are going on with them and their operating principles and their values or lack of values or misplaced values um, that's happening. There's a there's a sort of foible uh, thing that's going on with all of them. So whether it's drugs, whether it is adultery or love, um, this all kind of is suddenly... This three minutes that we have to sit at the table with the ladies, which I'm sure most people feel like you were kind of like, why are we here? What's going on with this? and how none of it seems to pop up again um, is what's happening. I, I, I almost feel like if and when another box set, Twin Peaks, the completer mystery. The Thanks, mystery. <laughs> David Lynch. I didn't buy it, by the way. I did. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's Twice. a sexy. It's a sexy box set. It is. Oh, my God um that um that there's going to be an extra that's going to kind of sew all of those stories together I that think there's going to be an extra too, yeah. 20 <laughs> minutes that we're going to fe- we're going to know what's going on with james and the girl with the ring and that we're going to yeah. know what's going on with you know a fast food working drug girl with the disease in Ooh. her armpit <laughs> oh that's so like the, so like black plague that's her left arm too that's, that's right back to the arm back to the arm and um you know or what's exactly is happening with all these people so yeah i i don't think it's i don't think it's throwaway i think there's something to it i don't we, think there's
0: anything he does that's throwaway just i have to clarify okay like i not I, I never meant that
1: but i think people feel are, at this point are our feel uh, listeners probably are feeling like what does that have to do with anything? I don't think, yeah. you know, I want to know what's going on with the the greater thing. I want to know mm-hmm. what's going to happen with Block Lodge. I want I want Dougie to become Dale and to become Kung Fu Action Grip Hero. And um, that's, you know, and what, what do I care what these, you know, chickens in the hen house are catting on about?
0: Well, we had a discussion right off the bat. I think we discussed it. I think there seems to be some, and, and there's some rumblings on, on the interwebs that I've seen. Um, about this particular attitude towards uh, women in this show. And I think at some point uh, we should do a discussion particularly focused or surrounding that. Because you keep mentioning, like, it's these these pairs of ladies talking around the table and the particular um, scenarios that they're in. Mm -hmm. So I think that really does beg a a, a deeper discussion.
1: Yeah, but is it, you really, at the end of the day, does it have anything really to do with gender and gender perception? I, and I don't, David Lynch is a child of the fifties. Yes. That's, that's part and parcel of what's going on. That's part and parcel of the, the lady in the room, the French girl. Sure. That's, not, that's yeah. his, that's his projection of, um, uh, a La Dolce Vita style ideal or a French cinema ideal uh-huh. of a lady. Um, which is both funny and parries itself and is wonderful to watch because it's so stylized it's and it's very so fun to watch it's lynch. great no
0: it's very lynch and
1: and you know same thing with Christabel. yeah same thing with our agent um you know there's just this super stylized version of a person going on and it's beautiful and it's lovely and it's fun to, it's fun to play with but i don't think we can take this um kind of feminist critique and Paste it onto that and sort of hang Lynch by it. I wasn't about to. No, but well, I mean, you're you're talking about rumblings on the internet. I'm not. Oh, I'm not yeah, saying okay. that yeah, you yeah. would, but I'm saying that there must be people who are just like, oh, that's so awful, da 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 da. You know, um, and I don't think it is. I think it's just part of the Lynch verse. I think it's what he he introduces to it. You know, to say that that um there aren't specified gender mores uh, in the real world mm-hmm. is kind of untrue. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, that's just part of the world that, that Lynch is, is painting and, and knows and it's part of his palette. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: there's more appreciation going on there than people give him credit for as well.
1: That's the thing. I think it's it's done with love. Yes, and I think it could be two dudes sitting at the table. It could be James and Bobby. Not that that's going to (laughs) happen, mind you, not right now. (laughs) Uh, But you know, it. It. I mean, that that's the thing. It could be you know, two dudes talking about their day and talking about like, oh yeah, this girl da 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 da, and he's like, well, you know, she's James and Bobby
0: shipping. (sighs) I'm gonna think about that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Man.
0: oh well I, I, there's there's something there though even you have now gone on to have a, a deeper discussion about what's being presented to us and i i think that there's there's a lot there
1: some of the beauty of the lynch verse is that there's this very exceptional pocket of things going on but if we talk about episodes eight explosion of bug eggs, how many are there? And we're talking about the the dark hobos that they're out there, suddenly doing things and making things happen. Shadow hobos, the shadow hobos, <laughs> the supernatural vagrants. Yes. Um, that that, that rebuilt Ursat's coop. Yes, right, exactly, and took implant Bob. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, which makes me think he's less strong, honestly, without the Bob Ryder. So perhaps that may give Dale an edge in the future. But anyway, uh, supposition. Um, so um, that it suddenly seems like the the supernatural things are suddenly much more common. And it could be the fact that there's another... Um, door open that the vortices seem to be more readily available here and there because of the time it is because this is the the 20 years later um but suddenly all this stuff is happening and i don't i don't i'm not going to say that it's jumped the shark but it seems much more common um at this point in the show and it makes me sort of wonder um, what the deal is. And I hope that it that as the show progresses, it doesn't devalue um, with frequent occurrence the, the amazing things that do happen and the revelations. Because suddenly it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to give you revelation, 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 revelation. And then suddenly it's kind of like, okay, the the, the sort of the shock and awe, the fear that washes over you. Suddenly, is much more frequent, and therefore, it's less. And I don't want, as a writer, I don't want that to happen. I don't think that would happen. I mean, I,
0: I'm just again just guessing, but I don't think that's the case. And are you saying that is this just this is this a a response to how rarely and how uh, little it was kind of doled out during the original run of the series? the, the supernatural elements were much more. They were kind of like fed to us in in smaller amounts compared to this, this iteration. It's like in your face constantly. The supernatural elements are just right there from the get go.
1: I think the expectations were different. I think when we were watching it back in the day, it was all about who killed Laura Palmer. So there was a small town serial killer mystery going on, but as it progressed suddenly it was like,
0: what? We had to be slowly introduced to these things.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like, oh, wait, there's a ritual and it's not just somebody's MO, there's something behind it. And so we were, were given that and that was uh, amazing and revelatory and, and super wonderful. And then now we're here and we've got you know Laura's mom taking her face off and suddenly being like wait what's going on and that happens in a bar in front of a bunch of people it's not out in the woods where no. nobody else can see it and Andy disappearing that's with three witnesses and three witnesses who can no longer recall what happened that's true actually yeah, yeah. that's really funny you know there's this um convention in the world of darkness which is a role playing game series where things happen And if they happen in front of a bunch of people, people are amazed, but then they kind of have a sort of mental pause, and then they forget what has occurred. It almost sounds kind of Lovecraftian in that way, that it's the horror that is so beyond reckoning
0: that sanity, it it breaks sanity, like levels, like you can't even... You can't recover from that. You cannot recover from that. You cannot possibly comprehend something of such profound nature, so... Well,
1: you just black it out, right? Exactly. It's re- kind of repressed yeah. memory, ish. Yeah. So, but in Lovecraftian world, you end up in the sanitarium. Yes. Exactly. Well, and okay. well I'm, I'm saying it's just like, the... <laughs> <laughs> where's the world of darkness? It's like I saw a werewolf, okay. and then like you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, I think there was a big dog in the street. I'm not. Yeah. Is that, I don't that more know what denial happened? than Let's really go. like
0: like blacking things out? That's kind of like a denial, like human uh, response, like mechanism, kind of like chupacabras.
1: Wait a minute! No, I totally acknowledge the chupacabra. And for those of you who have not read my blog, look check up it, out. it was a chupacabra. Uh, my blog dark entries. Put that. Put that in your search engines. Thank check you, out right. that and photo. Look, look at my awesome. God, I wish it was an awesome photo. It's not. It's a blurry photo. But <laughs> uh, man, all the words in there completely true, and they compliment my blurry photo. So go <laughs> check it out. Judge for yourselves. So. I have one uh, one other thing I want to talk about a little bit real quick is is uh, Major
0: Briggs. Yeah. We haven't really even really uh, like broached that one, um, and we were talking about the supernatural being like introduced. And in the original run, I felt there were quite a few red herrings, particularly from Major Briggs even. And this was the one that first caught my attention because at the time when I watched Twin Peaks again, I was late to the party. Um, I had already been watching X Files, which owes a great deal to. Twin Peaks and the fact that it's primetime television that introduces these supernatural or fantastic ideas and then is accepted by the mainstream. But um, when Major Briggs talks about his job is monitoring uh, receivers that are aimed at deep space, but in this case, aimed at the, the woods surrounding Twin Peaks, Um like at that moment, for a second, I thought, "Well, okay, so this show is going to be about aliens. There's going to be some aliens involved here," but there are not. So there there were red herrings even in the original show. So, a, or one, if you will, are the red herrings here in at work now? And and two, w- what about Major Briggs? Where where are where are we landing on Major Briggs right now? Is that his head is still floating out there, spewing out knowledge and and warnings and help assistance? Um, was he actually a time traveler? Is he actually in that? Is that why his body is still young? Or is this just a remnant of, was he actually physically in the lodge for this amount of time and time doesn't pass there and he came out? I don't know. Just just talk to me here. Tell me some stories.
1: Tell I don't think he was in the lodge. I think okay, if he, he was at? in a lodge, he was in the White Lodge because okay. he is wise and noble mm-hmm. and worthy of that kind of run. I, I can see the fireman giving him a role yeah and being like this you know and um cuz despite his his military association him knowing the military isn't um all on the up and up apologies to the heroes that serve out there hey it's just a show um well, that- i don't feel like there was any kind of like uh, poor portrayal
0: there he just was a man who who understood that he has pledged his loyalties to the military but at the same time, had m- other moral like obligations to Cooper to let him in on this secret uh, that the that the the woods were transmitting Cooper 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 the outside the same. I don't
1: feel there was any kind of like negative play there at all. No, I don't think so, and I think yeah. that that says a lot about Major Briggs and, yeah. and who he is and his understanding of uh, people and where information should be. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I think it's no mistake. That the major, that
0: the that Major Briggs, the character, and even his name, Major Briggs, he's a military man, but is at this point upheld as probably one of the uh pillars of light, like you said. Like he would have been given a role on by the White Lodge. I mean, that isn't. I don't think an accident. That's that's a show of respect and understanding of the role that a gentleman like that would play, and even having like, well, that's a whole other story, but I, I I don't think that's by accident
1: I don't think he was trapped in the White Lodge like no. St. Dale was trapped in the Black Lodge no. I think that um, he was probably sent uh, in other places to do certain things so if Major Briggs was off flying a biplane in World War I he was there for a damn good reason Um, which predates the nuclear story correct okay. yeah because I mean uh, you know ostensibly you know who knows maybe the, the kaiser was working on hard water and possibly could have produced <laughs> nuclear fission. who knows and you know he just dropped a bomb at the right place at Well, the, right the time. majors
0: out there have been doing good for the lodge like time traveling even back as far as world war one um flying biplanes whatever then the the conflict has been going on forever and two then this unleashing of, of the nuclear threat maybe just escalated things to the point where the White Lodge has to act out in a much more uh, visible and more aggressive way.
1: Well, now that we know the giant is actually the fireman, okay. we know that that huge bell-shaped object is actually a fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not just the nukes, it's other... It's heavy bombs. It's, it's whatever, whatever is going on and might possibly do things. I mean, I read, I know I read online a couple of, not that I went and sought anything out. Honestly, listeners, I never do that. I don't want to spoil (laughs) things for myself. But, um, that so many people are kind of like, no, the causality is this moment. It's the fact that we come up with nuclear weapons and that's what allows the tear in the universe and that's where everything starts. I no, don't think so. I disagree with that as I well. I think that 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 these forces were in place um, a long time ago as a complex machinery of the universe um, or as byproducts of the complex machinery of the universe. So, um, yeah, so World War One. Having him out there that makes sense. Okay,
0: I'm oh, I'm out. I'm out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Major Briggs, um, and going back to the complexity of the machinery of the universe, and not it being a bipolar, um, dualistic structure that I think Lynch doesn't actually recognize that there's other forces going on at work, that the, the Black Lodge is not wholly black, nor is the White Lodge wholly white, um, that there is a, a kind of a, a more of a, a chaos versus law um, construction going on, that if, if Major Briggs is something of a metaphor for Mimir in Norse mythology, that the fact that the that, that a more polytheistic universe, a, a pre-Christian, pre-conversion universe, um, is because you have in in that world you have the jotuns which want to take over, want to take the sun, want to freeze things and essentially stop the machinery of the universe um, going on that that's not necessarily bad. That's just who they are. That's what they do. (laughs) They're frost giants or they're fire giants. They want to burn everything. They want the nuke to go off. They want to destroy it all um, because that's what they do. They burn um, or the frost. They freeze or let's go to the other side. Let's go to the gods. The gods aren't necessarily um, completely honest um, there's points where they're like, I'm going to lie to these people in order to get the treasure, to get the ring, to to do this. And it's not an example for us necessarily. They want us to act honorably. They want us to be the Dale Coopers. That's really what they want. They want us to be worthy of Valhalla to to do this. Um but there are certain points where they have to go outside of the box. They got to be crafty. They got to be tricky. They need to tap Loki on the shoulder and go, what do we do here? And Loki goes, I got an idea. <laughs> and it's not the necessarily the most honorable thing, but it's the thing that's going to keep the universe going at the end of the day. Because if they don't take the third option... um stop it's going to go bad they're going to lose and it's all going to end much sooner so there's a recognition of this this sort of uh complexity going on within the twin peaks verse i believe and if major briggs is Mimir, then that totally clues into that
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i think at some point in the last couple uh discussions you have brought that up a couple times the the norse influence and i don't think anyone else anywhere that i've ever talked to or red has ever drawn those types of things so that's a really it's a great and unique perspective i'm excited to see where that plays out or well, your observations on it at least
1: i mean it, it could be me just bringing my heathen slash asachu worldview <laughs> to the table um but I'd, I'd like to kind of think that is reflective of a more universal truth because that's how i see things and therefore um perhaps lynch is bringing some of that to the table i'd I'd love to hear some sort of confirmation david if you're listening to that and the deal is you know if he is dipping so hard into um the subconscious if he's meditating and he's going down 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 into the well then he's possibly bringing up stuff that is that is a more universal truth that things are are more complex than we wish to perceive in this kind of demagogistic society that we're that we're currently in in this kind of like black and white i'm going to be offended at your slightly variant idea kind of kind of thing and he's bringing that to his writing into his world and you know the idea of the subconscious well actually is a norse idea so um yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> well, I I would think it would be folly to think that he's not bringing something back from
0: his uh, his time with that. Like the, the that it, it would have to be reflected. It would have to be an influence on what he's writing. How could it not? You know, so I'm I'm I wouldn't be surprised in the least if he's bringing something back.
1: I mean, I think if we're talking about the if we go back and look at the art life mm-hmm. and we look at this kind of very um plasticky polystyrene sort of version of the 50s that that he was raised with that he was being given and then suddenly weird things happen to him as a kid and that blows apart uh that idea and that that reaching for the creative other the ultra um kind of addresses an exploration outside of that box because suddenly he realizes that box is not complete. It's a box. Yeah. Um, so he has to like, you know, tear down the, the second, third and fourth walls and, and figure that out and bring that to, to art to kind of realize, Oh, decay <laughs> is beautiful and, or fascinating and, or horrific. Um, that has a lot to do with it or none of those things. It just is. Right, and then you should appreciate
0: it for its place in the universe and its role like it's not horrific or beautiful it's 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 neither it it is i don't know
1: cattle die kinsmen <laughs> die
0: <laughs> I wanted to find that poem um that Wyndham Earl uh recites because in that it seems that there really are uh kind of more finite but again that's that's the flaw in humanity though too like that just because that's the poem and it's written by human hands doesn't mean that it is an exact definition or uh rundown of the black and white lodges but you know the one i'm talking about right where there's this this land of saccharine excess
1: yes which is the white lodge um but i don't know well i mean that also could be a critique of the 50s as well Maybe. Um, I like that thought. That's interesting. What we find out, of course, is that Wyndham Earl's ideas are far from complete and that he pays for his assumptions. Oh, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, see, that's something, the fate of
0: of Wyndham Earl. Right. And what about, uh, again, we were talking about uh, wizards and things. The Balthazargeti guy, he hasn't come back. Um there there's i think there're going to be a lot of open-ended questions. There's a lot of things that are going to be left hanging and I'm again fine with it. It's cool. Um but. so how is it all going to end, Mitch? How is it all going to end? It's it's i I feel it's going to end very similarly to the last time. I um uh I actually feel that however that we will lose Dale Cooper. Uh I think he he will Die on this mortal plane?
1: I think so too. I think that's going to be the huge emotional crater yeah. we're left with at the end.
0: Yeah, because we were left with uh, the uh, if you confront your doppelganger, if you confront your shadow self with imperfect fear, fear imperfect courage, it will utterly annihilate your soul. And I, I recognize, like, in the, the end sequences, uh, Dale turns and runs from his doppelganger whilst in the lodge. And uh some might, might might say that he lost and that and I, I really should rewatch some of that stuff, but I, I don't think that that was the end of Coop and obviously he's not he's back and we'll see what happens but I think I think he will die. I think that um, I think we'll see some type of... Uh, resolution when it comes to this mother of evil that's appearing in the clear box that vomited forth the the, the bob bug seeds eggs, I think we'll see something of that. Um, whether that be locked back up into the, the the lodge or sent back to the lodge, I think we'll see something along those lines. And um, I don't know. I th- I think we'll just see life in Twin Peaks just return to normal, whatever normal is with the bookhouse boys back in position to guard, guard the lodge so that you don't have escapees like Bob
1: running rampant across the country again. But I don't know. What do you think? Um, I don't think we'll get all the answers, but we've no. already said that. And I think viewers, you need to accept that. I think you, <laughs> it's time you know, to just come to grips. Those of you that are new to the show and that have gone back and watched and you need to realize that, nope, it's not all going to wrap up. Um, that's gonna happen. I I agree with you. Dale has to die. He has to sacrifice and martyr for um he has to die the brave death. He has to die the hero's death. He has to be the Siegfried. Um to, to refer back to our earlier show. To and it in order for any of it to mean anything, he's the noble soul. Um so that's that's going to occur. Um, I think we're going to have like sad Diane, sad Janie from all of that. We're going to, we're going to be moved. We're going to be crying with them as that happens after that happens. Um, you know, there may be a funeral scene where I'm crying right now. Right. I'm already, like get a little thinking about there. it. Yeah, Thinking
0: about that. Yeah.
1: So yeah. there's, you know, there's going to be another, another funeral sequence where, you know, probably Truman says things or, you know, the Pia, the hawk says something encapsulating um something along those lines um i think there's instead of there being a despair that uh season two gave us at the end um i think there's going to be uh, a victory but i think it's going to be a shallow victory i think it's going to be like well it's always around the corner things can happen it's not this simple you know that the the misery and sorrow the garambosia will always be there the creamed corn will persist um so they'll they'll be that um as far as the human drama goes i don't know i think we'll we'll find that audrey is stuck in wherever she's stuck in um i think that Shelley and james will be a, a, tem- a temporary <laughs> passion because obviously james is not only seeing Shelley. um so there's that. Um, I think there's going to be a wonderful moment where the hand of strength and power comes into play. The hand of glory, if you will, if you want to <laughs> take down that road, um, will will stop things, will happen. That will that will manifest. Yes. <laughs> um, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with a girl from the other place, from the Black Lodge, the Black Lodge escapee. Uh, Miss No Eyes. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting.
0: I really didn't expect her to manifest on 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 Earth in in the real world and continue. I thought that they would see her there, that it was a physical manifestation here, and then that'd be it. When they reappeared at um, Jack Rabbit Palace, I thought that was it. Then that she wouldn't come along, but there she is,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: now she's in the you know Twin Peaks Sheriff
1: Department under protection. So I like the, have no idea where that will go. Yeah. I mean, like the guy with a hand, she's there for a reason. Yeah. There's going to be something. And if the Black Lodge and other people want her dead, um, because she came from the coordinates, right? Mm-hmm. The coordinates that Dale has been mm-hmm. out after for all the show, um, that she's important. So, I don't know. And More ha- so
0: than Ronette, who's also stuck there. Also seems to be there. Poor Ronette. Poor Ronette.
1: So, um yeah but she's there to make noise yeah and i think that's the other thing that the noises that have been assigned to things though and (laughs) you know the like that's that's going to be that's going to come into play and you know lynch is so on about music and on about sound as you've noticed Mm -hmm. like in previous episodes you talked about how lynch is doing sound design um that that's going to become something that that's going to come into play I think I don't know how but it's going to happen I would
0: love that just as someone who is also just kind of obsessed with with sound and music and things I would love to see that to play some type of a role or key to these universal
1: mysteries and truths that sound is part of those things Mm mm-hmm because, like, in games like Myst and in games like Bioshock, mm-hmm. there's certain puzzles where you get to, and suddenly, like, I have to remember the sounds that this thing made, and I have to put them in the right sequence in order to, <laughs> you know, get to Columbia or to get yeah. to the, the other stone world or wherever it is I'm trying to get to in the game. So I I think there's probably something along those lines that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Much to be discussed. Much <laughs> to see. Yeah, and and we could just
0: go on and on. Like, I... Even in your uh, estimation, your guesses of where things will go, and when you bring up the human element, where are some of these people going to end up in the end? And it's just the human world of things that are going on. Um, is Richard going to get his comeuppance? Uh, yeah. Big Ed, you know, is that kind of all we're going to see of Big Ed? Is just his longing still for Norma? Um, is there going to be a payoff with the Norma double R? norma's double r thing like you were kind of hoping or is that kind of just like again just this is what's happening in this this normal everyday american town there's still this daily business of life going on and doesn't play into these greater you know uh worlds of good and evil and black and white lodges like i don't don't know but it's it's something to look forward
1: to you know and in a way i would like to say Dr. Amp and Nadine <laughs> get together which would free up Ed yes to once more to to pursue Norma and to go yeah. no now now <laughs> is the time we must embrace our true love because it was supposed to happen and it didn't happen and this needs to happen and and for Norma to kind of stand up from the table with that you know that veneer-toothed weasel and to kind of go you know what Buy my interests out, I don't care because obviously you love this chain that you've created more than you actually love me. yeah so you know feel free to use my image, but you know give me your your million dollars and I'll get and the hell out of the way. Ed and I are are going to Spokane right yeah. exactly yes yeah. totally <laughs>
0: one, one last and I know that I know what you hope for, but at this point I want to know whether you actually think it'll happen. will we see? Shelly and Gordon reunite
1: at all. We have to! They're coming to to Twin Peaks! They're (laughs) gonna stop in at the double R for coffee! And she's gonna be there! And it's gonna be awesome! And I hope that totally shakes James out of the picture.
0: And we love Shelly!
1: We love Shelly the waitress! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, with
0: those high hopes and sweet dreams of cherry pie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... We're gonna probably cut it off and and and, and send our uh, send our listeners off with um, wishes for good coffee and mm. and enjoying the mystery and let the fear wash over you. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it has been once again a pleasure, sir. Thank you very much, Mitch. Uh, and and for those who might be listening, um, we would love some comments. Come visit us at uh, at from the Red Room at the Twitter. Uh, you can check out the site at Room at, uh, fromtheredroom dot com, uh, and if, if you check us out on the SoundCloud, I think you can leave comments there. We're just hoping for any type of feedback you might have. Uh, we would love to comment on some of those things ourselves when we have our next set down.
1: And uh, don't forget to visit Dark Entries, uh, Guillermo the Fourth blogspot. Uh, yeah, look up Dark Entries and Guillermo the Fourth, and the Google will take you there. The Google. and have a great night
0: and we'll see you guys on the flip side see you later